Hello, you're listening to Sarah Archer and episode 266 of the Speaking Club podcast. I want to open the show today with a quote from Mary Kay Ash. She was founder of Mary Kay Cosmetics and she died in 2001 with a fortune of $98 million. That's a chunk. A mediocre idea that generates enthusiasm will go further than a great idea that inspires no one. I started this podcast for two reasons. Because I want to help people recognise the power of stories and humour in speaking and because I believe it's your message that counts, not the number of ums and ahs you use. There are some organisations that want to create robot speakers. They want you to sacrifice your personality in order to speak perfectly. But I want to let you know that you can be yourself and a sensational speaker. So... If you want to be a speaker that connects and engages authentically through stories, a speaker that gives value as well as a great performance, then welcome home. Hey, hey, I hope you're having a fantastic week. Now, as you may have noticed, I've had a bit of a break, but I haven't been twiddling my thumbs whilst I've been away from the show. No, in fact, I've put together a breakthrough resource that I know will help you if any of these things resonate. You've been booked to speak or you want to speak, but you've got so much that you could say that you don't know where to start or finish. This is a great opportunity for you and you just don't want to blow it. You want to create a talk that engages the audience and wins you new clients. But every time you sit down to create that talk, You end up staring at a blank sheet of paper or, worse, hundreds of post-it notes with content that you could include. Now, if you're feeling like that, the first thing to say is that you are not alone. So many experts struggle with this AIM issue. And that's why I created this new guide from blank page to stage. Now, in less than an hour, it's going to help you nail the topic for your upcoming talk that engages the audience and wins you new clients without you losing your personality or anyone feeling pitched to, because we don't want that. And that's even if you have tons of material and your subject doesn't feel sexy. There's loads more value inside the guide and you can download yours for free at saraharcher.co.uk slash new guide that's all together, new guide hyphen TSC. So that's saraharcher.co.uk slash new guide hyphen TSC. And there will be a link in the show notes so you can grab it there too. And I'm getting loads of great feedback about this guide. Someone said to me today, you're giving too much away. But I love that it's getting people unstuck. Anyway, enough about the new guide. Let's talk about today's show. I am back with a corker for you. And I know it's going to help you make a massive shift in the way that you think about your content and in your speaking impact. But before we get into the meat and potatoes, I want to take you back 21 years. That's us going back in time. That's when my daughter Izzy had just started walking. Now, if you've got experience around toddlers, you'll probably agree that it is one of the scariest phases of parenthood. 
Because when your baby's mobile and doesn't really understand danger, there are humongous risks everywhere. So you go around putting covers on electrical sockets and locks on bathroom cabinets and kitchen doors because you want to protect them from all the obvious dangers like electricity and harmful liquids like Dettol and bleach. And then as soon as they're old enough, you share about these things with your children so that they then have the knowledge of the risks and can protect themselves. So... Most of us have a general awareness of the risk that these substances like Dettol and bleach pose to your health. And that's why it's so surprising that on the 16th of March this year, the National Library of Medicine in the US felt it necessary to publish the case of a 26-year-old man who died from multi-organ failure after deliberately ingesting a mix of Dettol and bleach. It goes into acute detail of what happened to his body and reiterates the likelihood of death if you ingest more than 150 mil of these substances. Before the 23rd of April 2020, it's unlikely that this uh, publication of this case would have been necessary. But on that date, President Trump suggested that bleach might be a good antidote to the COVID-19 virus. And from that date, the 23rd of April, until the end of April 2020, accidental poisonings with household disinfectant rose 121% in the US, which equates to 787 people, nearly 1,000 people, who threw away all the previous evidence that they had about how dangerous these substances were based on President Trump's musing at a press conference. So despite our belief that today people are far more sceptical than ever, the truth is that presented in the right way, people will still believe new ideas. I've seen doubt stop people from sharing their message, but I want to let you know that it's absolutely possible to overcome scepticism and get your audience bought into your idea and wanting to work with you. And as I've shown today, people will still believe some incredible things. So in this episode, I'm going to be sharing tools that you can use as a speaker in your talks, your webinars, your workshops, your pitches to establish credibility and overcome scepticism so that you do get that buy-in to your message. Right, let's get started. Okay, so the story I shared at the start illustrates a couple of the ways that we get our beliefs. One is that we can get them passed down to us by our parents. So it's not safe to touch pluck sockets or drink bleach. And then another is via authorities. Again, in the story I shared, some people believe Donald Trump's suggestion about using disinfectant to combat COVID because he had presidential authority and presumably because they believed he had access to the best experts. Although the medical people around uh, President Trump at that moment when he shared that uh, little nugget looked as comfortable as a nun in a brothel. 
So they might have got a clue from that. Anyway, the other ways that we get our beliefs besides parents and authorities are through our friends, our faith, our experience and from society. So after accumulating all of these beliefs, imagine this big bag of beliefs that we're carrying around with us over our shoulder, we end up with a lot of baggage that influences the way that we see the world. And that often means that speakers need to spend a fair chunk of their talk unpicking beliefs so that the audience is open to seeing something new. And an important point to make here, do-do-do, do-do-do, that's an important point alert. I really need to get a proper sound effects uh, desk or something, I think. Um, Who knows? We might look into that or I can just carry on doing the manual version, the low-tech version. Anyway, the important point to make here, and this is something that you'll have heard me talk about before, is that the beliefs that we have are based on stories that we've told ourselves often. So our job in our talk, when we're looking to dismantle these beliefs, is to find a story that trumps their story. Like, when I believed I was too old to start climbing with my daughter Izzy, who is now 22, Um, this was a few years ago, I thought, I'm too old to start climbing, and then I saw a story about a lady called Greta who started climbing at the age of 99. Boom! That story I had and my belief was shattered in a second and I started climbing. So we've talked about the power that comes from authority and all the other bits and pieces that we talked about. But I now want to introduce you to something called an anti-authority. And this is from uh, something that Chip and Dan Heath talk about in their book, Made to Stick. Very good book. I'll put a link in the show notes to that book. So an anti-authority is someone who is not a celebrity, nor do they hold a position of power, but they are living proof of the message that we are trying to share. Their authority comes from their honesty and trustworthiness. Now, you might have heard of a lady called Terry Hall. And she was an anti-smoking campaigner. And what she did was showed the world the effects of her throat and oral cancer caused by smoking, which she started doing at school because she thought it was cool. And she had to have uh, reconstructive work done on her jaw um, and all sorts of stuff because of the effects, you know, they had to sort of tackle this this cancer in her throat. Uh, she had to have her laryngitis taken away, so she didn't really have a voice anymore, which, you know, she had a type of voice, and she did use that to amazing effect, because her talks and her videos had a huge amp- impact on people, especially young people at school. And the fact that she shared about this saved many lives. And quite often, speakers are anti-authorities themselves. And you might be too. If you've experienced something, you've been through something, and you're passionate about helping other people avoid it or experience it, you know, through your talks, then you're an anti-authority, you know? And if you fall into this category, 
I think the most important sort of caveat I would give you, the most important piece of advice I would give you is to avoid becoming judgmental of others because it can push people away. We've all encountered the people who made a change, um, did something, you know, did a complete sort of 180 in their lives and then they go into preach mode. So the born again Christian, the non-smoker, the vegan, the environmentalist, and so on. I work with a few keynote speakers in the sustainability space, and we work on this a lot because there are many triggers that you can inadvertently pull with the best of intentions, but that push your audience away instead of bringing them closer to you. So the big question you might now have is this. Sarah, I'm not an influencer, I'm not an authority or an anti-authority. So how do I get people to buy into my message? Well, that's what I'm covering now. One of the first things that makes people and ideas more credible are vivid details. You need to identify concrete details that you know will be compelling and relatable to the audience you're speaking to and that support your big idea. At a very simple level, you can see the power of details in how you feel about something's credibility, even from just, you know, testimonials on a website. You feel differently about ones that include a name and details about the person who wrote it versus those without any attributes at all. And when we use vivid details in stories, it helps people connect to the story and put themselves in it. Ideally, your job is to choose details that you share that will resonate with them. I was working last week with one of my speaking club members and she is a tea artisan. She sells tea. One of her herbal blends does wonders for IBS symptoms. And we were working on the story of how she created the tea that she was going to share with people um, at stalls and events and things. So we picked out some details of her own experience with IBS that were the most sort of universal and talked about the discomfort and disruption they caused, but with some details that were personal to her, but likely would resonate with people who had similar issues. Like the fact that she wanted to, but couldn't eat grapes and tomatoes. And as a child, she'd thought that she didn't like them. But what she recognised and realised as she got older was that it wasn't she didn't like them, it's just she didn't like the pain that they caused her. And little things like that can really connect you with your audience. The next thing that you can do to add credibility to your idea is to reinforce it with data and statistics. And, you know, since we were little, we've been taught to support our arguments with statistical evidence. Although today... As I've said, we are much more sceptical about statistics because it's true that statistics can be presented in a way that doesn't create the full picture or, you know, spins people down a particular road. But with honesty and integrity, transparency um, and used in the right way, they can still be incredibly powerful and supportive to our argument. The big question here, though, is how do I use data and statistics without boring the pants of my audience? 
Well, the answer to that question is the answer to most questions on this podcast. Yes, you guessed it. Storytelling. You see, the thing with data and statistics is, is that on their own, they are pretty unimportant. But what matters is the story the data tells, the statistics tell. What's important is how you tell these stories and how well they connect with your audience. So when you look at the statistics that you are looking to share, ask yourself, what's surprising or unexpected about this? Then ask, how can I bring this alive for people in a way that's visceral and hits them in the gut? Yeah, what's, it, what's the story here? And the late, great Hans Rosling was a master of several suggestions that I'm going to give you to make your statistics more compelling. Three big things that he did were firstly to take people on a journey and starting with the why of collecting the statistics in the first place. Next, he brought the data alive for people using analogies and stories. And lastly, he showed the funny side of data. For instance, in his TED Talk about how little we know about global development, he used all these three techniques a lot. But even in the opening few moments, you can see a great example of that. So he showed that chimpanzees would have outperformed the best Swedish students and even academics in a simple multiple choice test about which countries have the highest child mortality rates. And from that, he concluded that our perception of these things is flawed and that he had something to offer the top students as a lecturer, which is why he did this test in the first place, because he wasn't confident about that. Now, I'm going to put a link to this talk in the show notes because it's well worth a watch to see all of that in action. Okay, another way to share data uh, so that you can build credibility is by showing the relationship that that data or those stats have to a more concrete everyday thing that people will relate to. For example, you would often hear data conveyed using equivalents, especially financial data. So someone might say, this costs X, which is less than a coffee a day, or this costs X, which is the equivalent to four life-saving operations a week. So the relationship is where we get the impact for statistics and data. In the recent tragic Titan Submariner incident, one person, one expert, described the amount of pressure that the sub experienced during the fatal implosion as the equivalent of turning a Coke can into a marble. You really got that visual, that vivid detail really quickly. Okay, so we've covered a few ways that you can build authority for your idea. And I've got two more to share with you. Um, and these are possibly tapping into the most powerful authority that you can leverage. And that is your audience itself. The first strategy allows the audience to try out the idea for themselves. In their book, Made to Stick, Chip and Dan Heath illustrate this with what they called 
the Sinatra test. Uh, Nick named the Sinatra test because it's linked to the claim that Frank Sinatra made in his song New York, New York, which is this. If you can make it there, you'll make it anywhere. And here's an example of this in action. So I use a testable credential in some of my talks. I say, great speakers still use filler words. And then I reference some top TED Talks and share the number of ums and ahs they use in the first few minutes. And then I offer the audience to take a look at these talks and hear that for themselves. They can test it. If I've got time, I might even show a video. They can see it right there and then. Another great testable credential that I picked up, can't quite remember where from to give credit here, but uh, is to show the power of niching through this question. If you needed a heart operation and you go to the hospital and they say to you, which would you prefer? You can either have the op done by a general surgeon or a heart surgeon. Which one would you choose? And that one pretty much nails down why people need to niche. So in relation to your content, I want you to see if there's anything that you can get the audience to test for themselves. Have you got any testable credentials you can share with them or questions? And finally, the last way to increase, or the last way I'm going to share with you today to increase the chances of people buying into your idea is to highlight the incongruity between your audience's thoughts and actions. And here's an example, which I love from an article written by Jonah Berger from the Wharton School. And I've put a link to the article in the show notes so you can have a look at the full uh, shebang right there. The Thai Health Promotion Foundation spent millions on advertising for over 25 years. They promoted a hotline to help smokers quit their habit. Then they started a new campaign called the Smoking Kid Campaign. It just had a $5,000 budget. And what they did was they hired a group of 10-year-olds to walk up to smokers, pull out a cigarette and ask the smoker for a light. And when they did that, the smokers didn't just refuse the request. They lectured the kids about the dangers of smoking. The kids then handed out a slip of paper with the hotline number and a simple message. You worry about me, but why not about yourself? And as a result of that campaign, calls to the hotline jumped more than 60%. And a video showing these interactions went viral gaining more than 5 million views in just over a week. Powerful, eh? So that's really a great one to use if you can do that, show that incongruity. In fact, I was just talking uh, with someone I was coaching this afternoon about using that, getting people to see the issues and then contrast it with something that they're doing or that you want them to do, um, which are the reverse of that. Okay, so your takeaways. Get intimate with your audience to consider what beliefs they might hold about the thing you're talking about that you might need to consider in the presentation of your idea. Use stories to overcome existing beliefs and support your idea. 
consider what existing authorities or anti-authorities you could use to support your idea. Add in vivid details when sharing about it and in your stories because that will increase credibility. If you're going to use data and statistics, have a think about how you can make it more relatable and engaging to your audience. And finally, see if you can find a way for your audience to test the idea for themselves or see the gap, the incongruity for themselves. There you go. It is great to be back. I hope you found this useful. And if you have, could you do me a massive favour? Would you take a couple of minutes and leave an honest rating or review for the Speaking Club podcast over at ratethispodcast.com slash TSC or wherever you're listening to the show, um, whichever sort of platform, Spotify, Amazon, wherever. That would be amazing. Oh, and don't you forget, if you want to cut through your content to nail your client winning talk topic, then download my new From Blank Page to Stage guide. Finally, all I want to do is say thank you for choosing the speaking club to listen to. I really appreciate it. And if you're on LinkedIn or Instagram, do come and say hi. Love to hear from you. Have a wonderful rest of your week. Until next time, don't you forget to go out, grab your life by the nuts and get cracking. Bye-bye. It's a nightmare. You're an expert with so much to say, but now that you've been booked to speak, you're struggling to know exactly what to talk about. You want a talk that engages the audience and wins you new clients without you losing your personality or anyone feeling pitched to. But what happens when you sit down to create that talk is that you end up staring at a blank page for ages or worse, surrounded by hundreds of sticky notes with content that you could include. With so much material, you just don't know where to start or finish. Don't worry, because many experts like you face exactly the same challenge. And that's why I created the Blank Page to Stage Guide. In just 50 minutes, this breakthrough resource is going to help you identify the big idea of your message, make it relatable for the audience that you're speaking to, and convey it all in a way that gets the audience inspired and on board with your idea. And it works even if you have tons of material or your subject feels less than exciting. If you want to cut through swathes of content and get a talk that you're excited to share, your audience loves and wins you new clients, then grab your blank page to stage guide from saraharcher.co.uk slash new guide hyphen TSC. Oh, I forgot to say, it's completely free. Enjoy. Enjoy.